0: September is Suicide Prevention Month, and so I'm focusing my interviews this month on suicide awareness. Today, I'm interviewing Brian Hansel, and Brian lost his son, Paul, to suicide in 2010 when he was just 18, and uh, since then has founded the Paul Hansel Foundation. So thank you for coming on the show, Brian.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Can you tell me about Paul when he was young?
1: Sure. I mean, Paul. Uh, almost from, from birth, he was a you know a fun, uh, uh, outgoing uh, individual. Uh, liked to laugh and giggle and play. And um, he was uh, a good student. Um, did did uh, did well at school. Um, and and uh, he he danced competitively. He was uh, very musically inclined. He liked to. Uh, he played uh, the guitar, piano. Um, he sang and uh, he composed his own songs. And uh, some of those songs are still up on um, on uh, Apple Music. And uh, he created this little album. There were, there were there were fun songs for him to to write and play. Um, but he, and and he really started songwriting when he was eight years old and uh, just. You know, at that time, what's in the imagination of an eight-year-old? Um, and uh, so it, it was always great listening to uh, what he would come up with. When Paul was 12 years old, he, uh, I had brought home an article from a magazine about a songwriting competition, and I brought that home to, to him in uh, September, really towards the end of September. And the uh, contest, or the, the, the all submissions had to be in by the 15th of uh, November. And Paul said, oh, "I got to enter this." I said, I, "I said there's not a lot of time. You know, you've got to write the song, you've got to lay the music down, you have to record it, and we have to get it submitted into the U.S. by the 15th of November." I don't think you have enough time. And by the way, what do you know about writing and uh, laying up music? And he said nothing, but I'll learn. <laughs> so he uh, he then embarked to uh, to understand what it was going to take to Write musical notes on on, uh, on on musical sheets of paper and uh, lay his song down. I mean, every spare moment of every waking hour, you see Paul sitting on the piano bench with his guitar across his lap and uh, composing this song. I, he was 12 years old, so we managed to get the song in on time, and and um, then he got his his results came back, and he's 12 years old, and. And uh, they judge in ten different categories, and uh, you know, no formal training, just did it. And he scored an average of six and a half out of ten um, on uh, on his uh, on his writing. Um, and then, and then, uh, you know, through high school, he 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 was uh, he had lots of friends, uh, had lots of great social time, uh, was ambitious. I, you know, maybe school came to him uh, too easily, but he was a good student through through uh, through high school and was able to receive a, a bit of a grant f- um, uh, for his marks and um, going on to university.
0: Interesting that he went, um, I believe, into business and accounting and and not music, when clearly music was a real love for him. And I have heard some of his songs, and it's, uh, they're pretty cool, and it's, it's pretty neat that he's uh, on iTunes, and you can, still, you can still hear his music. So when Paul graduated from high school, he went to Brock. Correct. And he continued to be an outgoing, lively person, and very involved with friends in school.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the hard thing for Paul was, you know, high school came to one end, and everybody went their separate ways you know everybody went to to different universities all those friends were dispersed and um so you know kind of reconnecting and making uh new friends never was a problem for paul it just was not you know he he liked his other friends a lot and and uh and, and certainly missed them he um he got very involved and very actively involved in the school uh, i can't remember what the program was but there's a program at brock where uh, the students go out into the community and do things for um, elderly people, and and uh, he was on this uh, leaf collection or leaf raking team, and uh, the day they were going out, it was pouring rain, and uh, his little group said, well, I guess it's raining or cancel it, and Paul said, no, we're still going, <laughs> I'm going, and off he went and still still went and you know did his job because he felt like he had a commitment to the person that he was uh, the person and their home that he was going to go to look after. He also got uh, very involved with the accounting association in their, in their competitive, uh, on their competitive teams and uh, was uh, the youngest member and the only time they'd ever had a first year student on, on the team, uh, on the team at all. Um, did very well. And he was recognized and I I lost the thread on it, but he, he was, um, he applied for um, some other scholarship uh, and he was one of 3,500 people uh, through an account, one of the accounting firms that had applied and he won that scholarship. Um, so, um, you know, as I said, very, very talented young man um, in, in, in all ways and it had it all together. I mean, uh, as far as I could tell, I mean, Paul and I were sick as thieves. We, we, we were we were like best friends and, and I, you know, I say that because I know when he was around 15, 16 years old and I was trying to kind of figure out, you know, who his best buddy was or his, you know, people he was hanging out with the most. I said to him, who's your best friend? You've got lots of friends. <laughs> and he looked at me um, like I had two heads and said, well, dad, don't you know? He said, no, I'm asking you. He said, well, it's you. And uh, I mean, Paul and I shared everything. We talked about everything or at least, you know, so I thought.
0: And I know that he um, that he helped a lot of friends. He he reached out a lot, and you know, university is is pretty stressful for uh, for most students. And you know, when like you said, when you go there, and it's a different group of friends, and you're you're meeting a different group of friends. And you were very close to Paul, and and you know, for many people, and many family and friends. The, the mental health issue that's sort of it's underlying isn't it and often a person you have no indication that there's that there's something going on
1: well I think sometimes you're too close you know you're, 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 you're just absolutely too close and you, you, you don't you don't maybe notice uh, some of the changes whether they're big or subtle or and and um, you just kind of continue to go with it just like you know, you know i i guess i do with with uh, other family and friends you know if there's there's you might notice that they're off a little bit but you just kind of take that as you know a, a day in the week and and continue on
0: and so 2010 that's when paul lost his life to suicide and after that you started the paul hansel foundation and to sort of carry on his memory and to really get involved in talking about mental health issues and being out in the community so is that what what you were thinking when you started the foundation
1: <laughs> well great question I had no idea what I was thinking what I was thinking was let's not waste money on a lot of flowers and um, you know you know as kind as it is for people to do that I, I, I just got ahead of it and said, you know, in lieu of flowers, uh, we'll set up a, mor- a memorial fund and, and uh, a, lot of money was do- a lot of money was donated. It then became a foundation. Um, and, uh, you know, at that point in time, we, we, we had decided that the mission of the foundation would be to um, promote and support programs that are aimed at the mental and emotional well-being of children and youth and so whatever they were so the whole idea as we got going on it after we had this kind of nest egg of money uh, the whole idea was that you, know, you can give 25 dollars to lots of things in charity but you never really know what happens with the money or what it, what to support you might get a letter saying globally we're, we're able to do this and, you know organizationally we were able to do that um, and and i just really wanted it to be something that people could attach it themselves too and, and, and said you know what instead of just you know sending twenty five dollars once why don't we take twenty five dollars ten times and we'll go and, and and support a program somewhere so we started supporting things at Paul's High School and we started supporting things um, at uh, uh, the Reach Out Center for for kids in uh, Halton and and it's the lead agency for child and youth mental health and so there's different different um, initiatives that we helped to sponsor, we actually created a, um, something else that's called the Paul Hansel Hands Up Fund because Paul was a hands up guy. He'd give you a handout if that's what you needed to start with, but he, he wouldn't let you, you kind of suck them dry. It was gonna be, I gave you a start, now let me give you a hand up. You're gonna do the work yourself here. And there are many, many examples of, of uh, how, how Paul did that. And then we also supported Brock University uh, through the Student Association, because at that time there, the Student Association uh, leadership was very engaged in the whole topic of of uh, mental health and they started running wellness weeks. So we um, put money into sponsor and support a wellness week at uh, Brock University.
0: Do you think universities are, <coughs> I've talked to a bunch of, you know, universities over the last couple of years, And Brock in particular has won some awards for its mental health programs for its students. Are universities recognizing the mental health issues and are they providing enough support for students who are, you know, undergoing so much stress and anxiety at school?
1: Well, you know, I think that we're still trying to get our hands around the definition of this, right? I mean, there are some people who go to university that have a identifiable mental health Ill, uh, issue or maybe even a mental illness and those are people that go in and and they're able to support and there's programs to support them right it's the ones that aren't uh, are, are that, 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 that that aren't going with um, uh, a diagnosis ahead of time or even 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 conditions ahead of time so you know as I always say is that is that uh, it's okay to feel sad, and sad by my definition is stress, anxious, or depressed, right? Now, over the long haul, prolonged periods of stress, anxiety, or depression, either on their own or in combination, can lead to a me- mental illness, and that's just a place we don't wanna get to. But you know what? We all have good days, and we all have bad days, and sometimes our days go back and forth. Unfortunately, some people get stuck in a less than favorable day or a less than favorable mindset and can't work themselves out of it. So I think the universities are doing, or, or, or at least what I know of Brock, I can't speak globally for all universities. I think they certainly stepped up their game in terms of mental health supports, but it's really, it, it, it is, it's very reactionary. And uh, quite honestly, what I believe and what the foundation believes needs to happen is that mental well first of all mental health is important as physical health and uh, education around mental health has got to be inserted at the youngest possible age it needs to get into the curriculums uh, with the kids when they're in elementary school and all the way through their 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 life at school and it needs to be a mandatory part of curriculum Um, and and because uh, we're not taught about our mental health, you know, what we often he- learn about mental health is, you know, really that it's, you know, some deep, dark place. Um, and and it, it, it shouldn't be that way. doesn't need to be that way. And, and the, truly the only way that we're going to get ahead of this curve is by providing people with the tools to look after for their mental health each and every day. And each and every day, we all need to do something to look after our mental health. So the universities are doing fine in, 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 in or Brock is in, in terms of, of, of responding, I think, but um, they just, it just needs to be one heck of a lot more proactive.
0: It's interesting. <laughs> um, I did talk to um, some people at uh, the Brock health center, mental health center a few weeks ago, and we were talking specifically about, the challenges students are going to have this year with having to learn virtually. And they're not going to be experiencing, especially the first year students. And I had one student telling me, you know, I'm going to miss that first scary day when it's really stressful and you go to your first class and you start to meet people. And I thought, that's a really strange thing to say. But the more I thought about it, I thought, yeah, that's part of going to university. It's it's part of, you know, your first week Frosh um, week and all of the all of the activities and a lot of students are now going to be learning in a, you know a solo uh, environment without those kinds of um, friends and supports but we're also seeing some increases in mental health awareness and certainly uh, issues with parents and kids who have been at home for the last seven months and there are there are a lot of parents who are experiencing, Anxiety, especially for the first time, they've never they've never really. I mean, they may have had underlying anxiety, but they've never really recognized it. And now we're seeing more and more people coming out and talking about mental health issues, and I think that that's really positive. Obviously, um, COVID is not positive at all, but I think it's very positive that there's going to be a. more people kind of saying, Hey, you know, this, this exists. I understand this now and we need to do something about it.
1: Well, for sure. I mean, listen, uh, you know, you, you you know, your overriding theme of, 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 um, of your interviews this month is around suicide and suicide prevention. Uh, but let me tell you, um, in Canada on average, and I'll just, I want to underline this point. That that it's it's reported, but the reported uh, number of losses of life due to suicide a day is 12 people. We lose 12 people a day. That's 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 close to 4,000 people in a year, right? But but take it and expand it out, and 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 look at what happens globally. Globally, we lose close to a million people a year. So virtually take all of Niagara region and Hamilton and most of Burlington and come back in a year's time and nobody lives there anymore because people have lost their lives to suicide. And that's the right way to call it, by the way. Okay. Um, It's, 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 it's a loss of life due to a mental health condition that results in somebody losing their life, their their life to suicide. So, you know, I think put a different label on do whatever you want to do, but uh, it certainly doesn't get the time and attention um, that, other things do. Um, and and if, we, if we really put our head on this and really got ahead of the curve and really educated people that mental health is a good thing. Your physical health is a good thing. Your nutritional health is a good thing. Your mental health is a good thing. So look after it, right? And and, and get us, you know, the onset of, 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 of mental health, deteriorating mental health, Happens in the teen years, right? So, and again, people don't. Young people don't choose to be this way. It happens to them, whether it's it's stress, anxiety, depression, pressure, whatever it is. It 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 it, it or 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 something that's physiological, the changes in them. That it, it that's where the onset is. It might not have, it, it might not rear its ugly head until as, as mental illness until somewhat later in life, but it's been studied over and over again. And, you know, to your point on the parents, um, I just saw that McMaster University issued a report that said that, or they had done a study that 60% of parents with school-aged children are suffering from some form of depression right now. 60%. Wow. Um, So now, you know, and, and coming back around on your point of, you know, young people first day of school, and 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 what we've all experienced for the last seven months, um, in 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 these vacuums of isolation that we've been living with, as humans we're not built that way, okay? As humans we want to have a sense of belonging, and a sense of community, right? And so, I really feel for these. Uh, university students at at whatever level that they 're at is that their sense of belonging and their sense of community has now been cut off for lack of better words um, and the, the the ripple effect is going to last a very long time
0: now're and, and the um, elementary school kids and the high school kids are going back to school this week, and I noticed with the kids that I know and you know, from sort of the age 10 and up, they just slowly, slowly over the summer, just, you just watched them just get more down and more down to the point where some of them just, you know, we got into stage three, they could have gone out and do, done things, but they were just feeling so low and they just, they just stayed home. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see once they get back to school, because they're excited to go back to school, but school is not going to be what they remember. It's not going to be getting together and, and having some fun with your friends and doing some pickup basketball. And it's, it's going to be very, very different. I want to talk to you just quickly about the convo plate. And I actually, that's how I first heard about the uh, Paul Hansel Foundation, was I was reading about the convo plate, which I thought was a really cool idea. So can you just explain what the convo plate is and what kind of impact it's had?
1: Sure. So the convo plate is is a a shortened version for conversation plate. Um, And conversation plate is, I don't know, it's it's, it's, uh, like... Um, it's a rectangular plate, the dimensions don't matter much, but you know you would use it to serve somebody, an hors d'oeuvre or, or an appetizer or something. Uh, dessert. Uh, so the, the conversation plates are are all handcrafted predominantly by youth, um, and they decorate the plates. Um, sometimes they just they're just pictures and sometimes they are, Uh, words of hope and inspiration or whatever is on their mind or a quote from Dr. Seuss or a quote, you know, something that that is important to them. Uh, The conversation play really started, because I, I, I just, I woke up one day and I said, we can't have one day to talk about mental health. We can't have one day to talk about world suicide prevention. We should be talking about this each and every day. And if I know you well enough, Janice, I should be able to say, look you in the eyes and say, how is your mental health today? And you feel comfortable enough to to, 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 to give me an answer, right? So I, I it, it came out of a little bit of, it sounds like frustration, but I thought, you know, there's, there's a need here that we have to have conversations and we have to continue to talk. And so we created this conversation plate. Uh, there's been I know, close to 1200 young people that have participated. And, making conversation plates for the longest time. We held them at the art gallery of Burlington. And then we found that uh, we were missing and losing people. So we mobilized and actually go right to where the youth are so that they can, uh, they can decorate it there. And we had a couple of sessions with students from Brock University and actually gone down to Brock and, and, and had a session right there. So the conversation plate serves three purposes. The first is to stimulate conversations about mental health. The second is to inspire everybody to do something every day to look after their own mental health. And the third is to raise money for mental health charities and causes, whatever they may be, right? It's not a condition, but you know, we hope that people will make some donations or reroute something else that they're donating somewhere else, at least a little bit to mental health, because God knows the the agencies and the system uh, uh, needs it. So here's where we're at today. We have, um, 900 plates that are in circulation, um, they have uh, touched six continents, um, been around the world. You can go on our website and, and find the con- conversation plate tracker and you can, for those that have registered their plates, we were able to pin them and, you know, put them, uh, put them where they are.
0: Brian, thank you so much for keeping the conversation going. I think that um, your plates traveling around the world, I'm sure, are having an impact. And anybody who wants to find out some more information about the Paul Hansel Foundation can go to paulhanselfoundation.com. And if you are interested, you can sign up for a convo plate there and start the conversation traveling around the world.
1: Great. Thank you very much, Janice.